As you walk through the valley of the shadow of hell, you will see through the fog a bend in reality, a veil that is beyond your own comprehension. It's the other side, beyond the void. That's right, it's episode 327. Holy fuck, we're getting up there now. This is an episode about video nasties, two very shoestring budget kind of films that are very independent, some of which, you know, never should have seen the light of day, technically. These movies not only have video nasties in common, but what else do they have in common? Dream zombies. Yes, dream zombies. Dream zombies are those in which somebody dreams in the movie about zombies. And this has happened in a lot of films, by the way. I don't know why. The last episode, or our last episode, it was a it was bear traps. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we always find a connection somehow when we're talking about this. We're like, it's so weird how both of these movies, not only were they video nasties in some regard, but they are also films that shouldn't have seen the light of day. They were also films that had zombie dreams in them. And I think a lot of independent films that do stuff like with zombie dreams, because this isn't the first f- two films I've seen <laughs> with that in there. Right. I think it's how some people like. Technically, you know, trailers are supposed to be your sizzle reel so that it like gets people interested in your movie. And I think a lot of like independent underground smaller films have these like zombie dream movies Mm -hmm. that they just throw in the zombies because they've always wanted to make a zombie film, but they don't have the money to do it. So they have enough for just one scene. Sneak it in there. And they sneak it in a little. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. So, yes, these movies are Suffer. Little Children from 1983 and The Soul Tangler from 1987. Both of these movies you can find online to watch. Now, the the Suffer Little Children, you have to pay 99 cents on Amazon. To rent it. To rent it. The Soul Tangler, now, I don't know which one, which version is up on Amazon, but you can also get that as part of your subscription. There's two different versions of the Soul Tangler and on the DVD that we got from the American Film or the Genre Film uh, Association, they actually have like the 62 minute version and an hour and 30 minute version. Highly recommend watching the 62 minute version. I'll tell you more about that later. But yeah, both of these films are I have them on DVD. One is from the Suffer Little Children, Severin put out under their Intervision, which is in a British film that was a, a video nasty, as a matter of fact. And the other one was Soul Tangler that AFGA 
I think where is it? AGFA <laughs> put out that Vinegar Syndrome works with to uh, save film, like these independent films that have never you know seen the light of day or whatever. They have a, a restoration project. It's a it's a free company. There's like a a company that basically saves film, uh-huh. and it's a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's like something that they're doing with video games now because like a lot of video games are just forgotten and these companies don't even exist anymore. They made these games and they're trying to save them. So, uh, you know, I think that's appropriate because art, it's art. It's really interesting too. the stories on these films. These are not (laughs) casual viewing experiences for you fans out there who are just now getting into horror, by the way. (laughs) This is for those tried and true treasure seekers that are digging deep in piles of nonsense and going to garage sales to find the meatiest grossest fucking i've never seen this type films horror fans looking through the goodwill bins right you get to this level when you have started collecting a lot of films for many many years and you're at that level yeah and it's like everybody has this thirst for it but i'm at that level and i like to honor those who are also at that level like my friend slade who's a big fan of a lot of shot on video films that nobody knows or has seen that was like during the 80s and stuff that we would watch this era of film that was you know where a lot of people from nobodies bunch of nobodies came out of the woodwork to make movies and that's what we're watching today baby so salute to all of you motherfuckers out there who watch this kind of shit if you don't it doesn't matter because there's a hell of a story for both of these films that i think you'll be interested in hearing specifically about one and the other one has a pretty good one too but one of them has a really good one so christina how are you doing today oh i'm okay you... Uh, we're going to have a busy week this week. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure the next episode you'll talk about um, you going to Joe Bob Briggs. Yes, I'm going to see Joe Bob Briggs, his special um, live appearance where he actually is going to be hosting two movies on the screen at the Majestic. It's um, We're going to be watching The Brain from 1988 and Brain Damage from Frank Henenlotter. I forget what year that is. Well, I'm going to be going to jury duty. <laughs> Yay! So yeah, what yeah. she was hoping she could get out of, which I yeah <laughs> I postponed it too much. It's funny. I thought I was going to be going to the show by myself, all hopped up oh. on caffeine, <laughs> and then I realized that Jordan is actually coming with us, who's been on this podcast you. before a couple of times. Actually, I'm not, I'm not going. Yeah, Christina's got work in the morning, so she can't go. But Jordan well, is coming. Well, it's kind of because I'm going to a concert the day before. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's true. Game FDM. I can't do two nights in a row. No, but it is still kind of, you know, pushing it anyway. So Yeah, yeah, it is pushing it. Yeah, good luck on Monday, by the way. Wait, you have jury duty. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And you might have it Tuesday. Who knows? I hope not. No, let's not jinx it. I I shouldn't have even brought it up. We should be talking (laughs) talking about it. (laughs) But with my life, because my mom was telling me, like, she gets called. Like on the dot every two years. Uh huh. So she goes in every two years, and she actually had to do a trial. It was only three days, but uh, I've 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 avoided every jury duty that I've. It's horrible. <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> I I fucking don't want to do it. <laughs> How much are you getting paid? Do you want to tell them? Oh oh, what did it was it what was it like twelve dollars? It was like a seven dollars or uh, no, it was twelve fifteen a day. A day. And then. You get reimbursed for your mileage, which is 
62 cents yeah, for your per, mileage. per mile. But at least my work my work pays up to 15 days. That's pretty cool. Yeah, not every job yeah. does that by the way, right. I think, but yeah, it should. <laughs> mm-hmm. Imagine if you were getting uh subpoenaed or whatever for a jury as a uh, for a serial killer case. My oh god. Oh my god. Or like that Lori Vallow just got Dude, they would have to up the cost of the jury fee because there'd be nobody that could do it, right? Well, and that isn't that a part of the uh, the, the you, cost you of have, jury? You have to do it. I mean, you don't really have a choice. Right, but how would you survive? Like, you know, how I could you? Know. I don't know. I don't know. Just go homeless. Like, people got to work. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to go homeless for my country <laughs> I, that's going to never take care I, of me. I don't know. I don't know how that all works, so. Like, veterans serve this country, and they don't even get treated well. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. That's Let what, alone a jury that's duty. That's why I'm seeing, like, jury duty. Like. <laughs> people in other countries listening right now, silly Americans. <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh so what else we got going on this week uh oh we got we got a couple birthdays with the nephews yep. or nieces and nephew yeah uh we had celebrated one already which was a lot of fun um they went to the zoo and mm-hmm. got ice cream and cake and all these like crazy fucking 16. clothes he turned 16 and then uh the other nephews turning 17 this right week. so they're actually the same age for th- a week three days three days three days right. For three, four days, no, three days, they're the same age. <laughs> Get it Saturday, right. Sunday, Monday. Yeah, three days, they're the same age, which wow. I think is kind of funny. That's you pretty awesome. You don't hear that too often. Right. So we've we've been pretty busy. I'm sorry I didn't get a chance to do a video on YouTube for you guys. I, I know I did the last one, which was a really good one, I think. Uh, it was good. So hopefully it will tide people over the Pope's exorcist. I'll be honest. There's not been a lot of stuff that I've been really wanting to talk about. <laughs> right. Like, I've been watching stuff, but I just, it's just like, I don't know. There's just a vibe that I get when I watch a movie that I either just want to talk about or not. And I just have not been in the mood for it. So I just don't know, you know, it's like I don't want to just put in three hours of work plus watching a movie on top of it just to, you know, for no reason, for no views. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I watched, uh, I started watching, um, I didn't get to finish it, but I started watching the third week in October, <laughs> which is part five, and then there's the first one. The first week of October? Yeah, the the third week of October is called. Oh, so is there a second week of October? No, it's called the third week of October. <laughs> okay. And it's part five. You're supposed to watch part five first, and then you watch oh my God, the so third good. week of October, oh the the technical first one, which goes back to the origin of who this killer is. And it's got some pretty good gore, and it's all in good fun. Um, I don't know. I may still do a, a review on both of the films, but I didn't want to do just one and then wait to do the other one, so I figured... Maybe I should just watch them both and then decide whether I do, you know, like a video on both of them because it kind of feels like you kind of have to watch them in succession with each other. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Those are just came out of nowhere. There's these slasher movies that are trying to pay homage to like the 80s and 90s and stuff. And they're actually pretty tolerable. So if you are looking for some slasher films, then maybe that'll be up for grabs for you guys. But And I also watched, what else is it? Oh. Mutant vampires from the planet Neptune. How was that? Uh, about what it sounds like. <laughs> okay. A dude dressed up like a fucking uh, in the movie video. Uh, not video dead. I always get that confused. That's on the on the disc. But uh, Terror Vision. You remember the like the the alien that's in that movie? They like crack the helmet. And his head pops. 
Oh, I don't remember. Yeah. Anyway, it's not TerraVision quality, but it is like this is like alien vampire that's going around killing people and it's pretty ridiculous Nice. <laughs> about the same you know form as the other movies that i was talking about just before so mm-hmm. very uh independent you know definitely supposed to be kind of funny mm-hmm. in that like you know right just we're not taking this seriously but they do some pretty cool gore and stuff in it so you know it's it's all in your tastes um i may do reviews on them or not i don't know but i will have more reviews this week i promise you guys i've just i think i've just been having a hard time trying to get work done and stuff so but anyway we do have some movies to talk about this week so i think it might be that time oh what time is it horse shots All right, guys, so we're going to be doing a shot based on the movie's Soul Tangler, which is there's a drug in the movie that causes people to transcend reality. And uh, this guy can kind of like hop around in people's bodies and stuff. It's a little hard to figure out, but we're calling this shot an amphorium based on the actual drug in the movie. Amphorium. 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 (laughs) A dream. A dream within a dream. I am but a dream within a dream. Stop the puppet. <laughs> anyway, a puppet stomper. <laughs> that would have been a good name. Um, so what is in a Anforium? Well, glad you asked because Christine and I both came up with this one. We wanted to make it blue because the shot is blue in the actual shot that they use in the movie. What we have in there is... We have one third of uh, infused orange vodka that I bought on clearance at Marshall's. Yes. Yeah, it was it was cool. And then it's one third peach, ninety nine peach. Yes, which is pretty much like vodka, but I don't think it is. Yeah, I don't know. And liqueur, it's liqueur, liqueur. Yeah, the carousel. And then blue yeah, with their blue carousel to make it blue. Like yeah. The which basically it's stuff. like kind of like half and half, and then we poured the blue on top. So it's almost like a fourth or like a half, mm-hmm. half of the, the infused orange vodka and then the peach, 99 peach. Sounds and, disgusting. And then blue carousel, which the blue Ugh. carousel is basically a citrusy thing. So it should go pretty well with the peach and the orange in here since we already have a citrus in there. So it's just going to be a little more citrusy flavored. Okay, let me get my water ready. Yeah. <laughs> to a dream within a dream. Within a dream. Uh, holy shit oh i can't breathe that was strong that was strong i am infused with flavors right now yeah i'm I'm infused with about ready to throw up like that's a lot of flavors that that's not just flavor that's the 99 right there that shit will kick your ass Taking a half a shot of 99 is like taking a full shot of 99, if not more. Right. Because it's such a high percentage, 99 proof. I think that's how it goes, yeah. 99 proof. (sighs) Woo! Anyway, so it's not a real good tasting one, but it'll definitely tangle the fuck out of your soul. (laughs) (laughs) So if you would like to try an Anforium, all you got to do is go to longlivethevoid.com and check out our hashtag horror shot section now. That's it for Horror Shots. 
All right, guys. So now we're going to jump into these uh, video nasties, these indie flicks called Suffer, Little Children from 1983 and The Soul Tangler from 1987. We're going to go ahead and do that right now. All right, guys, so Christina did the work on this first one, Suffer Little Children. You want to tell us all about it? Suffer Little Children was released August 21st, 1983 in the United Kingdom. Mm. It's about a mute child arrives at a children's home, a.k.a. orphanage, and starts terrorizing the other children with her demonic powers. Wait. Mind powers. Demonic mind powers. Demonic mind powers. <laughs> Tagline, the power of the devil in the hands of a child. <laughs> wait, wait, there wasn't a cat in there. Why are you meowing? No, it was like a baby cry. Oh. I was to... <laughs> um, this was directed by Alan Biggs. Okay, wait, hold on. So everybody in this movie, like this is pretty much like all they've ever done. So I'm kind of just going to go read through the names just to acknowledge, you know, who played the characters. Um, so it was directed by Alan Biggs. Um, the only other thing he was credited for is him doing the 2017 documentary discussing this movie. It's called School of Shock, and it's on the DVD. Yeah, actually, there's another one on there. Yeah, is there's there? A, there was two documentaries, but yeah, it's part oh. of the DVD. Okay, well, this on is Severn. the School of Shock. What is the one he directed? Oh, okay. So he just pretty much just filmed it for himself. Yeah, pretty much. They probably handed him a sheet and said, here are the questions. Can you just answer these and uh, send us the copy? Probably. Uh, <laughs> That's probably how it works. Since it was uh, written by Meg Shanks. Oh, she Shanks? has the best Shanks, by the way. Lamb Shanks? I don't know what that I'm, is. I'm kidding. Okay. I thought you were going to be all gross. No, it's that's a, it's a real thing, Shanks. Uh, Meg was also the mother of Guinea Rose, who plays Jenny in this movie. You mean Ginny Rose, not Guinea? Oh, is it Jenny? Ginny, is, that's how you say it, Jenny. Oh, is it? I don't know. Gin. It's not Guinea, like Guinea Pig. No, I thought, like, Gin. It's yeah, spelled I different. Yeah, I know, I know, it's Ginny. Anyway, Ginny. Stupid. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Colin Chamberlain plays Maurice. Uh-huh. What were they in? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Did you not listen to me at the beginning? Right. You want to get an art? No, I'm just Go kidding. on ahead. <laughs> All right. Jenny Rose, who plays Jenny, um, has also been on an extra on some shows like Doctor Who. Of course. And then uh, Play for Tomorrow. Doctor Who especially, I can imagine. Oh, Wait yeah. till you hear about the guy who helped distribute this. He was definitely infected by Doctor Who. Cool. You'll see. Uh, we have... John Hollins, who plays Mick Phillips. We have Nicola Diane, who plays Elizabeth. We have Mark Insole, who plays Hustler. Who's the rock star or whatever. Yeah, one of the rock stars. He's also credited as the assistant director of this film, and he ran the camera for this film. Right. Uh, the budget on this film was 7,000 pounds. That's correct. And what did you think of this film? This is a movie that is not... For like I said before, this is not a casual viewer watch. Okay, <laughs> this is for the deep diggers out there, those gold treasure finding fucking weirdos like ourselves. But I will say that if you've ever considered making a movie, these are the kind of movies that you would want to watch. 
to see how you could elaborate on or make better and learn from their mistakes. This was a movie that was made just entirely off an idea, a drama school and a dude who failed at doing rock and roll promotion because he ran out of money from getting divorced. Oh. So him and his new wife <laughs> got together and made this film with the drama school and using all the kids in there and the kids came up with this idea. They all sat down and wrote the story. They all sat down and figured out all the stuff in this movie. It's pretty amazing that they came up with everything. Mm-hmm. And really what Alan Biggs did is just kind of promote and uh, do what he did best and then shoot the film. Mm-hmm. But everything else was the kids pretty much making this film. And they ranged from eight till 30. Oh, wow. So there was a lot of people in that drama school that were learning to, you know, they're trying to be something or trying to do something. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know. It's one of those films that, you know, it's not... <laughs> Both of these films have a lot of musical segues in them. Like, there's just like, like they they ran out of dialogue and they wanted to thicken up the film a little bit to make it seem a little longer than it was. And that is kind of the bad thing about this film is that it's too long. It's oh. way too long. It's an hour and a half. Yeah. And we were kind of hoping for a short film. Yeah, Yeah, because it was so independent. But, you know, everybody wants to hit that hour and a half mark. And you really shouldn't. You should just make a film, honestly, what seems to work and what you can afford and what you can fit. You know, if that's a short film for 45 minutes, which is unheard of, a lot of festivals will be like 45 minutes short film. That doesn't make sense. (laughs) I don't know why they do that, but that's just the way it is. But. This should have been a shorter film, and it probably would have been a lot more enjoyable. But that said, a bunch of kids created it. You know what I mean? And so you're really looking at a bunch of kids who made a home video to shoot a film that, you know, back in the 80s, in in 1983 or 82, technically, mm-hmm. that they shot over about a week you know, or two, you know? And I wonder how, like, big the cameras were. The cameras, they had to probably, uh, the money cost the most was trying to rent those cameras because they didn't belong to a fucking movie studio or anything, so they had to pay a lot of money. $7,000 British pounds is quite a bit of money for a tiny little film like this. Mm -hmm. But, you know, nowadays we got all of that on our phones, you know? They've got, we got better technology on our phones than they had in one fucking camera. Mm -hmm. 40 years ago. You can edit a film on your phone now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But anyway, yeah. So there is some funny parts in this movie. Bad dialogue, of course. A lot of the sound is terrible. We had to put on the subtitles, I think, or did we not? I don't think it let us. Yeah, that's right. There was no subtitles on this one. There was no subtitles on either of them. Yeah. Yeah. So we were like, fuck. Because, yeah. uh, Yeah, because I like to have the subtitles on. Are you sure there wasn't subtitles on this one? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I can't remember, but it's hard to hear. You really just don't know what the Mm -hmm. fuck is going on in this film. And so there is a lot of, like, sound issues because they weren't really good about you know, getting and capturing the sound. These are kids after all. Yeah, obviously he's done some stage stuff with cameras and stuff, but we're really talking about kind of amateur stuff here. Very amateur. 
like backyard amateur kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But that said, you know, there's a crazy kid that it comes into the school and they or this house of, of kids who are being taken care of by the government, I guess, in this movie, even though it was like an abandoned building or whatever. They actually put together a pretty decent idea for, you know, a small film. And the history on this is probably a little bit more interesting and probably why it got so popular is because it was a video nasty and a lot of video nasty films weren't really all that great, but they got fame and fortune because the government tried to shut them down. But yeah, it's interesting. um, A little bit on the history side, there is a little bit of gore in this film. There's a lot of, oh, some heavy, heavy waiting in between a lot of weird imagery that's kind of like dream sequency kind of things going on in the film because this little girl gets into the heads of people and controls them it's kind of like the omen in some ways like the the third film i think it was mm-hmm. where the girl delia or delia or whatever mm-hmm. remember when she's like controlling people but she could talk, I think, you know, mm-hmm. it kind of reminds me of that in some ways. But, you know, basically she gets all these kids to like start killing everybody in this big blow up. The last 10, 20 minutes are really where all the chalk fully goodness is. But the rest of the movie is oh, <laughs> very grating. You're going to have a hard even me. I, I was having a hard time getting through this one, but. You know, it's kind of one of those things like the Blair Witch that we always bring up because it's one of those films that has more of a historical value than necessarily maybe some people will see in nowadays as a film. Mm -hmm. You know, it's more of like, hey, this is what, you know, this is a little capsule in time and this is what happened and here's the history of it. It's really just if you look at it like someone's backyard movie and just go, hey, if my kids made this, well, what I think, mm-hmm. then you're probably got a better idea. Now, if your kids were also having tons and tons of blood in it, uh, which this movie does have from stab wounds and shit like that, this movie has a plenty of that towards the end. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and, and, and you know, some of the zombie makeup in it was pretty good too, and the dreams that they have. Oh yeah, yeah, some of it. I thought it was pretty decent for for such a kid budget, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Um, it's not going to be for everyone for sure, even on a, on a slighted scale that is like so bad it's good or anything, which I don't think this is a so bad it's good film. If it was, it would be like a two, maybe a two and a half mm-hmm. just because of the historical value and maybe some of the, and the, the interesting history that is involved in this movie, mm-hmm. but it is a very heavy slog of a watch. Otherwise, I'm glad I own it. Because at least now I know I have it and I own it and I like collecting weird little films like this. Mm-hmm. So, Christina, I'm sure you're going to probably have the lowest possible score that you can give this I'll movie. Tell, I'll say something. Calm the fuck down. <laughs> so this, this is a movie made by kids, but it's not for kids, which is I think is interesting because you can't do that anymore. So it's just strange to have um, all this be about the devil and devil worship. And then it's like all these kids, which is kind of funny. But you can tell because I bet they that this was like so fun to make. 
And it must have been like such an experience for all those kids. And there was a lot of kids on this movie. Yeah. And you can see that in that they had a lot of fun. Yeah, they had tell. a lot of fun. And you could see that in their acting and stuff. Cause even I think when they were supposed to be serious, yeah. there was kind of like smirks on their face. There was a couple stuff. of times. And there was a couple of times where they broke the fucking language. Like they didn't say the line well. Yeah, yeah. They didn't they didn't cover them up or redo them. Yeah, they just left it in. They just left and it in. Okay. Like, yeah, it's you know. Yeah, you could just see the passion that everyone had, like, making the movie. I mean, you can tell, but, you know. I think of, like, remember when we were kids and it was really popular, and I don't mean to interrupt you. I just got to bring this up. Do you remember when we were little kids? We all did our little music videos in the 80s. Yeah, of course. We would play a song in the background, loud as fuck, so that the camera could pick it up, and then we would dance or mouth or mimic, you know. Like, what do they call that? Lip syncing? Lip sync the whole fucking thing. Yeah. As our own personal MTV music fucking video because that was popular at the time. Mm -hmm. It kind of reminds me of the same spirit in that, you know. Yeah, and they were able to do the, that and this because they even had like, they had a pop band or some kind of band. Right. Pop rock band who was like in the movie too. I don't know if they were like real or what, but. No, but, they were not. I thought it was. Okay, yeah. that's what I thought too. But Considering anyway. that the guy was a rock promoter. Yeah, exactly. You think he would have... Th well, I'm sure they were musicians, like the teenagers were musicians or He something. might have gotten some music that way, but yeah, I don't... Yeah, I don't know. But, uh, you know, it, it, like you were saying, it wasn't like the best of... I was... Oh, God, it was sufferable but i mean <laughs> talk about who's suffering it, here it's not the children the it's the viewers. Yeah, exactly. there and then <laughs> the dialogue and the whole plot didn't make sense and it was like missing parts and i was paying attention i swear to god right but it was like missing parts and i don't know if the children suffered i mean they just kind of seemed like possessed i don't i mean they were kind of the the adults were being torture like suffering the adults were suffering it wasn't yeah. the children well maybe but they were catchy. suffering underneath the oppression of the uh, girl i don't know but uh i didn't it's still a good title yeah it's a <laughs> suffer, great title well, the children. isn't it a fucking morrissey song i think so yeah <laughs> yes it is because every time i i look up the movie that old and racist that, that, that damn fucking music video or whatever it was would pop up or it was morrissey. the smiths or oh, it was something the smiths. Yeah. it was the smiths the smiths would pop up but anyway, I did like, I love the 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 imagery of the devil worshiping children, of course. That's kind of amazing. <laughs> <laughs> they should like use that in stock footage now because I don't think you can, again, I don't think you can get away with that anymore. But you know, it, like the issues, the music was like drowning out the dialogue so you couldn't hear anything and there was no caption and you know, the picture quality was poor. And, right. I mean, there Sound was, was bad. There was a good splattering of gore. You know, for a movie with kids. I'm impressed that it was a kid that made this movie. You know what I mean? That's yeah. what I'm thinking. Yeah. Was there, narrate, was there a narrator in this movie? I don't remember. I couldn't hear it. I didn't know if it was like someone narrating or if somebody was like, the devil was whispering. I don't fucking know what's going on. Let's just say that the Polanyi brothers have a better handle on shot on video than this movie <laughs> does, I think. And Polanyi brothers used to make they some They started pretty, as children. Yeah, but they know, they know. And when I say the Polanyi brothers, I'm talking about like movies like Splatter Farm that we did on the episode. And didn't you do that with us? Yeah, I did. Yeah, you did. Yeah. And you liked it. 
Yeah, I don't know. So that's saying something, right? Like, I guess. That's a backyard video. I like like their movies, yeah. Yeah, Polanyi Brothers do a good job, but they know their audience and they know that the gore is there. But these are kids, you know, you kind of, you can't just shit on them, you know what I mean? So. I don't know. Well, I guess Christina can. Anyway, um, what'd you give it a two? I give it a two, maybe about 2.5. I'll give it a two. I mean, I don't don't want to give it a one. She's giving it a one. That's what she would give it. She would never watch this again. I'll never watch it. If I begged her to watch it, she would never watch it. Anything below a five, I would probably never watch again. Yeah, but you would watch it if if I made you. No. You but made me now. I don't mean this movie. I'm saying if it was a five, you would. I, if I made you watch it, you would. You'd probably like go. Like again? Yeah, yeah. No, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. So was, so what are you giving this? boring. I give it a, I'll give it a two. You really think it's a two? Yeah, because I liked the imagery of the children worshiping okay, the devil. Okay, so there was okay? something in that you liked. It's yes. rede- it has a redeemable value. Yes. You could use like the scenes as for, I don't know. You know, if you like, oh, wait, that sounds weird. Never mind. Say what? What did you say? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, just a two. Okay, just a two. Okay. Am I going to have to edit that out? No. or Okay. No, you're going to have to edit this out, though. All right. Well, that there you go. 2.25. Pretty low. But. Do we have th- interesting trivia, though? Yeah, we do have a, quite a bit of interesting trivia on this oh, movie good. that you're going to shit your brains out for so you're going to want to stick around for this if you want to watch this movie again you can watch it as a a dollar it costs you a dollar on amazon to rent it so they're not asking a whole lot you can also pick up the dvd on severin if you are like me and you like to collect uh really odd weird gems more than you do mainstream movies or popular movies because i just have this like hunger for just weird things but I have to like him a little bit more. <laughs> if I would have seen this movie first before I bought it, I like taking the plunge because it reminds me of when I'm like, when we used to go get music back in the day and you would look at the cover and you'd be like, oh okay. yeah, that I'm going to get. And Elastica. then you would buy it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like when I saw the fucking corn cover, like the first oh, album uh-huh. where the girls on the swing set, right. I was like, oh, this is dark. I was like, I want to check that out. And I was like, holy fuck, what is this? I can't even say the lyric, actually. I think that's the F slur, right? Oh, I don't know. I don't remember. I just Well, they did that, the nursery rhyme song. Remember? No, they did the little sheep, little sheep, or whatever. It's all nursery rhymes. Yeah. All songs are nursery rhymes, whatever. Anyway, that's why I got this movie and I wanted to check it out. But honestly, I really don't. I don't know that I'll technically technically turn to it. But, you know, I think it's a good inspiration for people who want to make films. I think these are the kind of movies you should be watching to inspire you because you can't get any worse. (laughs) 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 I mean that with a kind heart. Okay. But yeah. So it's not the worst thing I've seen, surprisingly. Mm-hmm. You know, like I've seen bigger budget movies that just are so goddamn boring that I just have given a one. I think it was one of the Howling franchise I gave a one, mm-hmm. and I couldn't stand it. It was terrible. Yeah, terrible. I, right. Um. But yeah. So there you go. But we do have trivia on this movie that you might be interested in. I've been talking about for about an hour now. It seems. <laughs> So if you don't want anything spoiled, go ahead and check it out on Amazon and come back. Otherwise, let's go, bitches. Here's your warning.
So Alan Briggs, the director, as I mentioned, was a rock concert promoter, right? And he actually used to own one of the biggest venues in the UK for rock. And he became one of the top five promoters in the UK for rock and roll. Wow. So that's saying something, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Then he had a divorce and uh, the dream got killed. Oh, that sucks. So she took everything and left him broke. Ooh. That's pretty much what happened. Ooh, I wonder what he did. He got remarried and then made this movie. Oh, okay. And it didn't get much better after that. <laughs> Yeah. Right, he he distributed the movie, you mean? No, I'll get into that later. He oh. didn't distribute the movie. He made the movie. Oh, okay. So he got the idea from his new wife, I guess, who was, because she was an acting coach uh, and a teacher for a drama school. Oh. And he thought maybe if she can pull together enough talent together from her students to write and act in it, he could shoot it and use his skills as a promoter to sell it. And she had a drama school, this huge drama school that had a bunch of kids in it and a lot of young hopefuls who wanted to act and become something someday. So it was kind of like a good, you know, storm to an idea had brewed. Mm -hmm. But he chose horror because obviously it's a cheaper um, genre to deal with. Although I guess you could have done a drama or like a real life story or something, but the acting would have needed to be really stellar in order to sell that. So... He picked horror because it's just a lot easier to do for it. And like I mentioned, the kids wrote all of the roles. They acted, they tried out for the roles and the kids that didn't try out judged the other kids on whether or not they should be in those roles, Dang. regardless of eight years old, all the way up to, to 30. Wow. So they, they picked the parts for them to do this. It took about, he said, 14 days to make in total in a derelict house that was abandoned, which didn't have a staircase, by the way. And the kids went next door to the other derelict building and ripped the staircase down <laughs> and literally put it in this house. Oh, my God. That's funny. Yeah. I, I don't think that's legal, but that's cool. I don't even know how they did it, but that's exactly what he said. So <laughs> he was like, you know, a little bit of ingenuity and creativity. <laughs> and I was like, wow, you know, a little bit of gum. You know, <laughs> a little bit of uh, duct, safety hazards. Duct tape. Yeah. Duct tape. <laughs> Let's just say OSHA wasn't on scene for this uh, <laughs> this uh, building. <laughs> anyway, um, the movie had never been fully edited completely when he had found this guy to, like, distribute the film. He kind of told him about the film, and he was, like, really into it. And this guy put it out early, in, like an early unfinished cut. And apparently the director said that the guy who put it out was a complete lunatic, like a madman. His name was George Goody, who he said was a man who said he traveled around with aliens in their spaceship, by the way. Oh, my gosh. Okay. <laughs> who he had become friends with. You know, because everybody makes friends with aliens, which immediately, in my mind, made me think of two things. Doctor Who. Uh, and it also made me think of an, another British thing, which this is kind of big one, is the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Uh, Both of those, I, I'm like, what if he was one of those guys, you know, uh -huh. that got to take a special ride with a bunch of aliens, uh -huh. you know, and nobody believed him. <laughs> he also said that he had aspirations for being a pagan lord who had a gang of children who would burglarize houses in London for him that's a good aspiration to have i mean you know and he said the director was like he was unstoppable <laughs> he was like that's the one thing i did like about him 
<laughs> and he was even worried that he was going to get sued by this guy for saying all this stuff as defamation. Mm-hmm. But he was like, look, I'll deal with it if I have to. Like, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so when George Goody, the crazy guy, put out the film unfinished before the censors could even give it a rating, George Goody basically got the police involved and raided his offices and they had already distributed this film out to all these stores and all these places and it was a pretty bad time for banning videos called video nasties if if you guys don't know and they took the master tapes with them as well Mm -hmm. Now, this is where it gets interesting because we're seeing a lot of this stuff that's happening today with like the banning of books and, you know, all these laws that are being made in the fear of something. And I'll go over that here in a little bit. Mm -hmm. But it took about three months for these films to be released from the DDP or DPP, which is uh, this this. This organization that the government funded to basically take away these films, these video nasties or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they uh, the company that George Goody had, which was Films Galore, who was going to distribute this, threatened to sue the government over it for about like three thousand pounds a day. So they kind of put it to the top of the list and they returned the film's reels to to the company saying that it you know still needed to cut about two minutes of it but it wasn't in the public's best interest to sue them and flag it as a video nasty but they still tried to use the hype of it to try to pitch this movie as you should yeah of course but he did apparently a terrible job at it and uh, didn't do too well but a lot of distributors and local video stores held on to the tapes while all this was going on and they privately rented it or let people watch it you know under the impression that eventually it would be released and approved one day which you know build up some of its infamy behind the scenes you know it may not have been the biggest video nasty that you've ever seen but this sidebar story is kind of interesting Mm -hmm. oh totally um (laughs) more interesting than talking about the movie too (laughs) right yes there's a lot of uh yeah dead air in the movie a lot of lag a lot of lag um but the parents of the movie they really um they kind of like supported this they loved it you know they wanted to be a part of it mm-hmm. but the the video nasty law was called the video recordings act of 1984 mm-hmm. plus this movie because they had kids in it fell under the children's protection act of 1978 oh. so they had all like got double whammy when yeah. this motherfucker came out back then they were of course using kids as a means to upset people into thinking that this banning of movies and horror was to protect children Heard this before? Every day. Kids could be killed. Kids could become killers if they watch this. They could be indoctrinated by the power of horror. And they could be mutilated. Moral panic, folks. That's, it always works and you're never going to get rid of it. Right. It. They always, when they want to fucking scare the fuck out of people on both sides of any political spectrum, it's going to be kids. And that is a surefire way to get people worked up. It's an old story that's been told many times in history in many different continents, as you can tell, across the world. Mm -hmm. And it has been used and reused multiple times. And if you're picking up what I'm putting down right now, it's being used again these days. And it's pretty ridiculous because they're they're actually able to get through to a lot more people than they did back when the video nasties were happening. Mm -hmm. 
You know, they had this Mary Whitehouse lady who was like pushing all this shit constantly and filling everybody's heads with all this like verbal diarrhea that would just scare the fuck out of any normal parent who wanted to protect their kids. Because just so you know, banning and horror and all this doesn't pick a side. Okay. It is art and it is, you know, a form of media and there's many other things I could connect this to in today's world that uh, is being misrepresented by using the terminology, the kids. Right. Use that and put it into spec in your mind as you will. But I'm telling you, this is an old play on a popular indoctrination propagandist technique that is used to scare people into making laws happen and things like that. And then this eventually got washed away. But today we're dealing with so much information. We can't bottle to the genie anymore. And so everybody's like has a voice. And now facts are no longer facts. They are just uh, whatever you believe. <laughs> but yeah. So a lot of distributors, a lot of people were really upset with this. His wife got shit on. They called her a demonic witch. They, you know, spit in her face. They, Oof. you know, and, and a lot of people never even saw this goddamn film. That's the yep. funny thing. They never saw the film once. They just assumed because one person who they trusted told another person they trusted who got paid to tell other people they trusted dash cam yeah it's like dude like this is how this shit works is that you are a good person and don't think people would lie about this kind of thing so therefore it is outside the spectrum of your scope of thinking and so you are wooed into a sense of trust by your emotions and that's what happens so the public finally did get to see this movie and a lot of people he said were very embarrassed very upset that they had made such a moral panic because no kids were hurt, no kids went missing, no kids were out murdering in the streets, and yes, no kids were mutilated. <laughs> it was all very super serious for no goddamn reason, and people felt very fucking stupid for believing it all. Well, at least they felt stupid. It's rare to get that nowadays. <laughs> you right? But yeah, the director, he was, you could tell that it was like he had been beaten into submission over this whole fucking thing. And the whole story is just wild. And, you know, his main takeaway from this whole experience was, I don't care if you like my film. He's like, use it to make a film of your own. He said, because it cost me 7,000 pounds back then to make this movie. And you could make a better film nowadays oh, yeah. with your cell phone and everything that you need right there in the palm of your hand. So if you've ever wanted to make a film, here you go. And so I, I think that's pretty awesome. That is awesome. So regardless if you like his movie or not, here it is. And that's pretty much it for the uh, trivia on this one. <laughs> Sounded like we were talking about something else there for a minute. Yeah, huh? you're getting a little bit preachy there. No, for no, no I'm, kid I'm kidding. This is I'm how kidding. he was saying it, though. Like right. he was explaining it. And I think it's very interesting in today's day and age that we should be very careful with as much information that is swirling around what we swallow. And it doesn't mean that everything you hear is a lie. And it doesn't mean everything you hear is also the truth. But it just means that you have to do your due diligence to really kind of do it. 
And if these people would have just watched the fucking film, <laughs> they probably would have known. Because the parents were ecstatic about this movie. They loved it. They were so happy that their kids were doing something creative. They helped put on the makeup for this movie. They helped promote this movie. They they drove their kids to and from. They, You know what I mean? Like, they were really proud. Most all of the fan parents of these kids were very happy with it right so it just goes to show you that not everything is as it appears so um is there anything that you want to bring up in particular about this film uh scene wise because i mean i think we covered everything yeah uh, i did the ending is good like the ending is pretty decent it's not a bad 10 15 20 minute fucking ending in the beginning i thought it, w- it was funny that the t- the child the girl what, Elizabeth is that her name? Right. She just gets dropped off, and then she oh she doesn't talk. Yeah. Like right off the bat, she's oh she doesn't talk. Okay, we'll take you in. But blah, this blah, is blah. the right place for call, her. Yeah, That's call, a, call the doctor, but he's not going to show up for a week. Like it's so weird. It's like how they do, and they start off with Popeye, where they put the baby on the porch. Oh yeah, that's right. And there's a note or whatever. Right. And then, you know, except this was a grown child. Right. And then there was a cool part. I think it was towards the end and like the adults were sitting in an office and then a plant started hovering. Yeah. There was some pretty cool like special effects in this actually. Yeah. Yeah. And then then all this poltergeist. 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 Poltergeist activity. Like the desks start like bashing into each other. I thought it was funny. That's pretty funny. And then the kids start grabbing knives and shit and then... Yeah, there was that one girl who was like stabbing herself on the bed for no reason. Right. <laughs> and, but, and the other kid was like, die, bitch, die! <laughs> yeah, they like stabbed the like main guy on the stairwell. It's pretty bloody, man. There was a lot of blood in this fucking movie. I was like, cr- it was kind of weird. Yeah. But that was fun. What there else? was a well, there was one scene that was really dream. There was a lot of dream sequency kind of things, very obscure kind of surrealistic kind of things that were thrown in between the scenes to kind of like make this sort of weird atmosphere that's going on. And she's like, there's like this woman that gets this the they turn into an older woman or something, and she's like, now the game begins, and suddenly Jesus appears out of nowhere. And saves them. Yeah, and and, um, and he's in Apparently. the place of Nick, who Nick was this guy, or Mick, I'm sorry. He was named Hustler in the band Hustler, who was like the pop star that they invited over to the orphanage to like surprise the kids and make them happy because he grew up in this orphanage, which, by the way, quote, doesn't remind me of the same place I was when I grew up because things are different now. Hmm. It's like, oh, maybe it's because there's a demon in the house. Controlling children and killing everyone? I don't know, Mick. But anyway, he turns into Jesus. <laughs> and then there's this Jesus in this old woman battle with sound effects and pointing. And she and the kids like wail around her. And it's really weird. And then, of course, at the end, Jesus stands victorious, pointing. And then all the kids start shaking. And Jen, who is, I think, the main girl in the movie. Mm-hmm. She walks in and sees everything and starts panicking, screaming, and that's it. That's it. Like, what the fuck did I just watch? (laughs) And plus, they have this, like, song in the movie, I think, that was, um, suffer, kids, kids, suffer, something. I don't remember what it was. I thought it was, like, a chant. I don't know. It is fucking weird. <laughs> I couldn't, I didn't find it. I think there was a band that he got that, uh, that they did this song uh-huh. for the movie. And I, I forgot to look it up, but yeah, 
I think this is like a theme song for the movie. Suffer, little children. Yeah, suffer. like no, that's not wake up little Susie. And I know. Yeah, no. <laughs> but it is like a punk rock sort of uh sounding song from UK. But yeah. It's interesting. Uh not a great movie, but you know, interesting story nonetheless. I would love to hear your thoughts on it. Uh, if we still have any people listening after my preachiness, Christina said, <laughs> hey, man, look, if there's comparisons to be made, my job is to associate them, not dodge around them because somebody's fucking too sensitive to hear the truth. OK, okay <laughs> you know what okay, I mean? Yes. So uh, but anyway, we do have another movie to talk about, and that is, of course, the Soul Tangler. <laughs> now, the Soul Tangler came out eh, about four years later, and uh, it is a movie that is not shot on video, but it was actually shot on 16 millimeter. It's about a mad scientist named Anton Lupeski who invents a drug that can free the soul of the user and allow them to possess the bodies of the corpses. The horrible side effect is that sometimes fatal hallucinations that leave the survivors incurably mad. <laughs> the tagline of this movie is all he wants is your soul. That sounds like a song. <laughs> all he wants is your soul. All right. Okay. <laughs> so this is by director Pat Pichal, who actually had done a few things including acting, by the way. He did some acting in a lot of movies, all the way up into literally um, a movie, or I don't know what it is. It's called Rage, Fear, and Love that he was in in 2022 as Jonathan Heck. He also directed uh, quite a few things, including writing on these. Soul Tangler was his first, obviously, but he also did The Adventures of El Frenetico and The Go-Girl, which is like a, I don't know what it is, from 93, the Girls from Harm, We Might Be Superheroes, which has 32 episodes, by the way, he co-directed. This movie is written by John Bishow and Lance Laurie, which uh, John Bishow, or Bishow, I think I'm saying it right, only did this. Same thing with uh, Lance Laurie. Some of the cast in this movie is Bill Bernard, who played the lead zombie, Jennifer Brown, who played another zombie. These are not in order because, I don't know, the, the IMDb is all over the place. Tom Sikarsiari, who plays Zach in the film. He looks like he's still acting to this day. He's actually done stuff in Amityville Thanksgiving, which was out on 2022. Oh, I gotta see that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he was also in We Might Be Superheroes, but not a lot. We also have Pierre DeVoe as Dr. Anton Lupeski, who actually only did something in like some sort of documentary or I don't know what it was. Fair season is near. It's like it says self. Um, we also have Jane Kinzer, who plays Kim Castle. She's the main journalist in this movie and many more. He used to, by the way, I also forgot to mention that uh, Pat Bichel was a uh, actually in a band called the mosquitoes so a lot of rock and roll influence i guess in this uh particular episode it was like uh i guess they actually still do make music and it's a new york city based musical band consisting of chris root the guitarist keyboardist john marshall and brazilian singer juju stolbach <laughs> so i guess they're still going even though he's not in the band anymore 
<laughs> he used to be the drummer though so oh. anyway uh there i couldn't find any like uh pricing or how much this movie costs to make christina what did you think of this film well this is a crazy doctor movie and we did watch the director's cut and the original cut yes and it was funny because the director cut the director's cut was shorter mm-hmm. by what like a half an hour yes 30 minutes than the original cut and i liked the director's cut a lot better much better it was easier to follow it flowed better you could tell they added in a lot of stuff in the the theatrical one probably to like scoot it like out longer mm-hmm. which made it I'm almost unbearable to watch because it was just so boring and that sucked because like the ending was so like more interesting and um gory and uh was more put together so the director cuts like way better than the fluffed up right theatrical version um there were some decent kills in the movie and the zombies made more sense in the director's cut than in the original because they they were the zombies were like shown like in the beginning and they they were kind of like all over the place and it it didn't make any goddamn sense so i'm kind of glad we watched both versions but i would recommend just watching the director's version because it it was really well done for what it is for uh you know sure i don't want to say at home movie what do you call it uh, it's well, technically, it's shot on 16 millimeters, so it's like a just a really shoestring budget. Uh, oh, okay, okay, but it probably costs a good bit of money. But for the time, it would be considered a shoestring budget. Oh, shoestring budget, so I uh, give it Indeed. like a I give it like a five out of ten, you know. Oh, okay, so you know, much better, just, yeah, it's much better. I'm, I maybe if I if what I, would it have been if you watched the hour and a half version? The longer version, I would probably give like a 2.5 because um, well, the problem was it was so dragged out that once it got to the good parts, I just was not interested. Gotcha. I was yeah. bored. You kind of tuned so, out. Yeah. yeah. So, so I'm glad we did get to see the director's cut. But honestly, I think if I watch this again, I might give it a lower score because I, we, I had such a horrible experience with the the theatrical version i was so happy that the director's cut like the story made more sense and everything but honestly if i did watch it again i probably wouldn't like it as much as i did okay does that make sense sure okay what what i mean you're being more favorable to the movie than i think i am even so oh well let me know (laughs) well i mean there are a couple versions like she said the director's cut which was 62 minutes long which is condensed and makes the movie much easier to watch and the longer hour and 30 minute cut i'd say watch the the 62 minute director's cut which is found in the extras on the dvd which we did backwards by the way because we were stupid Uh, but i didn't expect it to be in the extras like that not the first time that's happened to me by the way take note boutiques put it in the front of the menu don't put it in the extras because nobody goes to the extras first um but i don't know if you like the 62 minute then watch the hour and a half and see what you think good idea don't do it the other way around do it the other way oh my god it was too long I really honestly liked all the homemade gore in this movie. It's got some pretty fucking creative type gore too. And there's some pretty awesome effects that they really pulled off in this like really low grade film that had no business having that kind of effects in it, (laughs) which, you know, really is a statement for this movie more than anything. And it's kind of like a, 
a showpiece reel for you know the the, the effects guy kind of like how street trash was if it wasn't enjoyable on the other sense you know in the story and stuff mm-hmm. um you know i don't know it just it just it just isn't easy to pull off that kind of effects because they look really good but it just makes this movie so much better and the and the music in this movie is actually not too bad um the, it's weird it's disturbing it kind of fits in some weird spots obviously whoever put it together the movie's a little choppy so but the music was actually done by chris zephos who later went on to go to king missile by the way you know oh really detachable penis oh that's funny bang 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 yeah they're all from that area so oh uh but the story in this movie is pretty convoluted and crazy and wild but it's actually a pretty good story and i personally think well ahead of its time although you know there was a movie that was called fallen from 1988 with denzel washington who's investigating this serial killer who somehow is killing people but he can't prove it yet and then he finds out that he's like touching people and passing his soul from people to people. Oh, that sounds interesting. There's like that whole scene in the movie where he like is walking and they're touching people as they're walking past Denzel Washington and finishing each other's sentences and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's a really cool scene. Not a bad movie, not the best movie, but it was a pretty good movie for, you know, a weird Denzel movie if you guys want to check it out. Mm-hmm. But you know, this movie did it years earlier in in a different kind of way. You know, you got the mad scientist who's played by the director's brother-in-law, by the way, who made a drug called Anforium that can tap into the souls of people, a serum that can transcend anybody and any dead body, for that matter. <laughs> as long as they have eyes, you can go between them, he says. Um, but I think it's only between the people who have the drug in their body too i'm not 100 percent sure but it seems like that was the only people that he could get into Mm -hmm. but i don't know the story's really kind of choppy and hard to kind of read there's a lot of well-intentioned parts in the movie a lot of music that uh is just playing in obligatory spots there's literally a scene where a guy's talking over this dinner scene that they never captured the dialogue for Mm -hmm. and you can tell it was like their best take because visually it looks appealing in some regard Mm -hmm. but they didn't capture the audio so they just had to like put the audio over top and react over top of it i guess but it didn't like sync up this the slap syncs up when he when she slaps him nothing else does it's kind of weird yeah it is really weird but that's just you know it happens i guess that's the problem for most you know of these kind of like little little movies you know you gotta pay a lot of attention to really what's going on because they don't deliver the acting all that well it's nowhere near hollywood level but you know still it has this sort of dreamscape air about it that feels like a waking dream or a fever dream while you're watching it more than this other this last film that we watched the the suffer little children Mm -hmm. i think that the movie has a lot of musical dream segments that kind of add to that atmosphere some pretty wild and obscure shit going on in these but the, the effects like i said man they're they really pump up this movie a little bit sometimes the movie has audio like i said over the mouths sometimes it doesn't there's just a lot of woes of indie shoestring budget filmmaking but 
I mean, even the director calls this style of filmmaking trash horror. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I don't think he's going to take it too personally if you don't absolutely love his weird little film. But mm-hmm. in here, I think you can see where the movie has some pretty great ideas, whether they were able to pull it off or not in this little no budget flick. But it's definitely not for the casual viewer, like at all. This is for those deep diggers, like I was saying, that just look for weird shit weird ideas and who knows maybe somehow the guy who made fallen who wrote the story for that saw this little fucking weird movie and came up with the movie fallen because of it mm-hmm. you know so you know that's art imitating art i guess or whatever the fuck but i can see that what they wanted to do in this weird fragmented choppy fucked up movie with a lot of really crazy visuals i don't know like I said, it's something to inspire people to make a movie and just get out there and do it. Mm-hmm. You know, comparing this to other movies that do, you know, much more than this is hard. So, you know, when we give these scores out, it's kind of like, you know, we're kind of basing it off other movies in this style or catalog. Genre. Genre, yeah, so to speak. But I would give this about a 4.5. You know, I it could be uh, maybe a 4, 4.5. Um, you know, if you watch the 60 minute version, the 62 minute version, it's well worth, I think, sitting down for an hour. It's, it's, it's a little heavy. It's a little bloated at the hour mark, even still, but nowhere near as bloated as the fucking hour and a half mark. So yeah, if you're looking for some inspirato, some sort of uh weird gore effects that they have a plenty towards the end of the movie, some very laughable, funny uh dialogue and shit with the <laughs> like puppets and like zombies and even there's some the cameos from other movies like street trash in this there that people who worked on street trash worked on this film because oh. it's all from long island oh. so if you are a fan of street trash you might want to check this out uh and, and then you know it's just as you know heart felt i guess but not uh, you know street trash is infinitely better than this <laughs> but yeah i would say four 4.5 out of 10 mm-hmm. um just for the spirit of this cinema and all this other stuff so but so you had um five you gave it a five okay so, so 4.75 or 4.5 not bad so uh yeah, like I said, if you want to watch it, you can actually get it with your subscription on Amazon. But again, I don't know if it's the hour and a half version or the 62 minute. Highly recommend if you want to watch this or take the risk on it, get the DVD of it. It's probably really cheap. You can probably get it for like 10 bucks. So just pick it up. I think even why a vinegar syndrome sells it on there because they do a lot of AGFA stuff mm-hmm. uh, and it is an AGFA release. So. Um, and you know, you're supporting a a company that is keeping film alive. So, Mm -hmm. but with that said, if you don't want anything spoiled, here's your warning. So this, like I said, was filmed in 16 millimeter in long Island in 1985. Supposedly, even though it says 87, obviously it took a while for this movie to get put out probably because, you know, it's hard to reach people's attention, Mm -hmm. especially back then. He said that they, they shot it in about a week. Wow. And most of the budget went to special effects or feeding people on set. Yeah, figures. You know, for like right. working for them because they sounds like they didn't pay them. Right. That's probably why there's so many different characters in it. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's one thing I notice about these films is that if you're not paying ultra close attention, 
and 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 there's like a real story in here that they're trying to tell. You're gonna see so many different characters that they all blend together, and you don't even know who's who. That kind of happened with yeah. the roommate and the journalist. Right, I couldn't tell because all white people look the same. Yeah, well, that too. <laughs> you know? I mean, all eighties. I don't know. Fuck, I couldn't tell. I didn't. I. It's not like. And you're... then they they put the the female's hair back. And then it's like, well, it which, confuses the shit which, out of yeah, you. Yeah, which one is that? It's like, Who I'm not that? used to this woman's face. How are you going to throw another Maybe person? Maybe they did wear name tags or something. Yeah, they should have. That would have helped the viewers out a lot. So, you know, everybody gets their inspiration from other movies and stuff like that when they go out to make these movies, you know. And this director was actually inspired by the atmosphere of Phantasm, which a lot oh. of people love the Phantasm atmosphere because of that sort of dream-like thing, which that movie is very... It feels like you're in a dream when you're watching it mm-hmm. because there's so many parts in the movie that you're just not sure. Mm-hmm. And they have a lot of dream segments in it. Every time I wear my Phantasm shirt, like some guy approaches me. Why? I don't know. Oh, you like that movie? Of course, yeah, it's a popular movie. I mean, it's not the most popular franchise, and it's something that over the years I've watched and have grown to love, even like the later films. Yeah. I think if you're not a fan of Phantasm, you're going to have a hard time getting past three and four Mm -hmm. or five, is it? I don't even remember. Four and five. Oh, okay. Those are the tough ones. But as I get older and I watch those ones again and I get into the lore. Right. And if you're a fan of Phantasm, it is really kind of very much catered towards fans. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Reggie, of course, carries the weight on those films. You know what I mean? Reggie Bannister. Right. The ice cream man. Mm -hmm. I'm your ice cream man. Stop it when I'm counting. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Anyway, that's old Van Halen, by the way. Um... But he also was in, uh, inspired by the storyline of Motel Hell, by the way, which if huh. you if you've been paying attention and you like Motel Hell, you'll notice that the name of the hospital in the film is Whitewood, which is the name of the town in Motel Hell. Oh, nice little nod. Yeah. And the girl, the journalist, who they call Castle, Castle. in the film, mm-hmm. is based off the filmmaker William Castle. I thought so. So... There was a, a theme song made for this movie. It was done by Hypno Love Wheel, which actually put out an album in 1993, by the way. They never put anything else out. They were kind of like local guys, I guess, in Long Island. Um, you can actually listen to their album on Spotify. I listened to it there. Um, but yeah, they did the Hypno, the Hypno Love Wheel did. It's all one word, by the way, all pushed together. Hypno Love Wheel, like Hypno Toad, <laughs> but Hypno love wheel and uh the soul tangler song you can't get on that album so (laughs) okay maybe they paid for it you know they paid some band to make it so they probably don't have the rights to it makes sense you know they probably didn't think anybody would want this song who knows but it's kind of a catchy little track it's kind of got that little punk rock thing going for it too um there is a movie being played in this movie by the way a movie within a movie that doesn't have any copyright, obviously, or trademarking <laughs> is Haxon Witchcraft Through the Ages from 1922. That's old. Which, That's 100 years ago. Yeah. The journalist in the movie is like, I'm watching this to learn about devil devils. 
Devil worship. Devil worship, which is funny because that's another connection between these two movies. Even though the devil worship in this makes no sense whatsoever. Right. But she assumes it has something to do with devil worship. But the devil worship connect isn't that big of a deal because that was the era and time frame in which everybody was pushing. Satanic panic. Yes. So, you know, um, that continued on through Dungeons and Dragons and everything else (laughs) for many years. Uh, That's okay. The children! You fucking children! What about the children? Do you not care for the children's lives? No. (laughs) That's why we don't have any. We eat them. I care for the doggies' lives. Yeah. (laughs) Don't eat the dogs, okay? Anyway, so the ritual in that scene that they're showing in the movie is this a bunch of women lined up to kiss the ass of the devil. Now, I looked this up because I was curious about it, and I couldn't figure out what the name of the movie was for some reason. You was, were curious about kissing ass? Yeah, well, I just typed in that scene in my what I saw, and I was like, oh, uh. okay. And then it was like, oh, okay, so that's from Haxon. I was like, cool. And then this is what it said. That scene is actually based on a ritual, a real witch ritual in life called Osculum Infam, Infame, or Infim. It's the name of a the witch's supposed ritual greeting upon the devil, which the name means the shameful kiss or kiss of shame, since it involved kissing the devil's anus, his other mouth, quote unquote. (laughs) According to folklore, it was this kiss that allowed the devil to seduce women. So when you're kissing another woman who's Mm -hmm. been seduced by the devil, you are sucking on that brown O-ring. Ew. <laughs> the devil's second mouth. That's gross. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just the saying. The devil doesn't even poop. This makes no sense. I mean, apparently. It makes he, no sense. May, yeah, but, you know, there's all these, like, parables and, like, you know, double meanings and that shit from 19, early 1900s. Come on. You know? Right. Um, The editor of this film, which was, you know, they used the 16 millimeter negatives to edit, was... <laughs> Actually, a big editor for Herschel Gordon's films. He did all of the Herschel Gordon films. And somehow the director was like told by the production team who who also threw down money. He was like, yeah, they're not going to do this. But they did it anyway. Mm-hmm. So he had that editor actually join in and do that, which I thought was really funny. But they first screened this movie at a film festival in 1987. And it got a lot of offers from home video places like Prism Video. But they, they went to the an Italian company, and they never released it in the United States. So they decided to shelve it. But to the director's surprise, you know, because he sold the movie, I guess. Apparently, it made it to Canada, Brazil, and Turkey, which the director has a copy of the Turkish version of this film. Mm-hmm. And then he said 30 years later, you know... He found out that it did get around quite a bit enough that he was approached by American Genre Film Archive and Bleeding Skull and Fantastic Fest members who also work with the Alamo Draft House to put out these films. They do the the uh, uh, preserving of films oh, or whatever. They yeah. work with Vinegar Syndrome. They have G- a- F- R- eight, the American Genre Film Archive and everything mm-hmm. to preserve film. Which kind of sucks. Like, I really wish we still had an Alamo draft as close as we do, but we only have the Chandler one now, right? No, we only have Majestics. It's only Majestics. Mm -hmm. I wonder if they're working with them or something, because Mm -hmm. they do a lot of the same shit. 
Yeah. It's very familiar. Well, now they're just independent, locally owned. That's all. Okay, okay, okay. I don't know if it was like a licensee. I don't know. I don't know what... Maybe they just weren't making enough money. To... It was the big C from 2020. Oh, yeah. You can't say it because we'll get our fucking... Uh, episode flagged by spotify they're still, they're still doing that yes I, every oh time i God. look in there it is like this contains information blah, 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 blah. just from mentioning the fucking word okay anyway eventually you know they got it out it's pretty cool that you know 30 years later we, we get a dvd of this fucking film in two different versions mind you <laughs> so interesting uh little film that uh i think deserves a little bit of a watch it's not my favorite film of all time or anything but you know i'm glad i got it it's one of those unique rare opportunities to watch some movies that inspired a lot of different people so uh christina do you have uh any particular scenes or yes i do yes i about? do sir yes <laughs> so my favorite scene was uh the jur- the journalist goes to like the doctor's house or lab or whatever the fuck it was. I was kind of confused. <laughs> the uh, doctor was wild, man. Yeah, to to interview the doctor, right? So what they did is they poisoned her drink. So then she gets kicked out and she's driving home and of course the drink was poisoned with hallucinogens and forum or something. Yeah, something. So she pulled over to the side of the road and then she wakes up, you know, next to a tree. <laughs> And then she sees a doll. Oh, yeah. You know, she sees a doll, so she starts poking at the doll, and the doll's talking. And then, all of a sudden, she stomps on the doll's head, so it's all bloody. Oh, no, she didn't stomp on his head, it's body. Oh, she stomps on the body. Sorry. Yeah. She stomps on the body, so it's all bloody. And then the doll head rolls off. Yeah, that was one of my favorite scenes, too. And I like what the doll says, because it's, you know, it's very obviously dubbed, yeah you know like afterwards there's a couple of moments where they do that where the doctor laughs in this like maniacal way that is just like obviously dubbed over (laughs) and it's really out of place but funny and so this thing's like the doll starts talking and it's like it's all a dream within a dream all that i see or seen is but a dream within a dream within a dream and it laughs and then it uh, she steps on it and it breaks open full of fucking meat and that was actually meat s- store bought livers <laughs> gross that they jam packed it in the ne- into the neck mhm and filled it up with apparently it was one of the hottest days of filmmaking Ew, and it reeked when they stomped on it do you think there was a scene too where uh, they were like Febrezing a fucking dead body? Yeah, that was pretty <laughs> that was funny. funny. But uh, after after the doll thing, then she's like, "Oh, it's my father's institution, and it's it's all closed up and abandoned. It doesn't make any sense. It's because you're in a dream, bitch." Yeah, and, and that's when zombies. Yeah, and that's why, and that's when all the zombies showed up and started chasing her down and then and then she runs to her house and the roommate you know runs out and you know oh god there's there's all these zombies and they were at my father's thing and the roommate's like what are you talking about there's no one here there's nowhere here so then of course she fell asleep by a mailbox or something and then that's when another zombie comes around and grabs her right oh and then she runs to the house yeah the makeup on that particular zombie was actually really good it was like that kind of looked like the video dead do you remember that movie the video dead no oh that's a great that's a great that's a great um shot on video get out there and make a film movie Mm -hmm. because it's actually very linear and it actually doesn't feel choppy Mm -hmm. it's good that's good and there's some really cool ideas in that movie Mm -hmm. where the like zombies come out of a television 
there's like this cursed television in the basement that they put a mirror on the front of it so that mm-hmm. it prevents all the evil shit from coming out. Oh. <laughs> it's pretty cool, man. Like it's actually kind of funny too. But yeah, it, it just the zombie looked exactly like one of those. There was a, quite a few wild scenes in this, but I think towards the end, there was. Um, I wanted to mention some of the practical effects guys in this. So George Hingham actually did some of the practical effects score in this movie for some of the zombie makeup and things like that. Street Trash, and he went on to do Vampires Embrace uh, to do gore. Uh, and I thought he was actually pretty decent. Like, this is some really good gore. Mm-hmm. So I'm surprised he didn't, like, end up working for a studio where he, he would create this stuff for this, you know, like the the practical effects like KMB or, you know, oh, one yeah, of those, yeah. like, companies that do, you know, you can hire to do effects for your movies. Mm-hmm. Um he also had Mike Lackey in the film, which if you remember the hobo from Street Trash, who's like the main star of the movie, who's always wearing the hat mm-hmm. and he has the little brother and they're living in the fucking in the middle of the the junkyard or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's the bearded guy. He's the bearded zombie in this movie. And he gets the board in the head with the nails. Mm-hmm. And uh, they used his actual voice as an overdub. But he also did practical effects in this film as well and then went on to do fucking Street Trash. Oh, okay. So this is before Street Trash. Right. And he also went on to do I Was a Teenage Zombie as well. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh. Both of those movies are both New York, you know, all the way through. Mm Mm-hmm. It's New York, New York, New York. So that's where they all came from. They've all kind of mixed and mingled. Remember we watched that other one movie. What was it called? The uh, the Cannibal Mothers or whatever the fuck it was. The You know what I'm talking about? Where the mothers turn into like zombies or something and they start eating people. It was oh, another yeah, neat. something. It has mom in the title. Yeah, I can't think of what it's called. But those guys also kind of worked in the same group as that. So, you know, it's all part of the same type of time that was going on in New York. A lot of like films in that area. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's just a lot of a lot of like crazy stuff going on. But if you guys can think of the name of it, I just my brain right now. Mm-hmm. I think it's called Cannibal Mothers or something like that. Flesh Eating Mothers. That's what it was. There it is. Flesh Eating Mothers came out in 1988. So around the same time as that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's a uh, yeah. It's a little bit better than this movie, obviously. Uh, I think we gave it like a six or a five and a half or something like that. Mm-hmm. But Street Trash is the golden, you know, totally total golden child of uh, all of those. But um, yeah, I, I really uh, there was a couple of scenes. I think towards the end there, there was like a decapitation where he's jumping from dead body to dead body. That was really cool. Some of the effects work you could tell was very different from one another. Um, mm-hmm. There was like a dead body that was on the table that reminded me of like Day of the Dead style. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't mean like I mean like George Romero's Day of the Dead where the like zombies were on the fucking table mm-hmm. and they were like fucking or Return of the Living Dead 3 style, a zombie looking makeup that was on there. Mm-hmm. He stands up and there was some really funny parts with the one when the, there was like one rotting corpse in the corner that they just, he animates and he's like, I'm moving too fast. You can never catch me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's like bouncing between all these zombies and these dead bodies and everything that I thought was really cool. Mm-hmm. And then he infects that guy who was his servant uh, this guy that would go out and like pick up women, he would wear a black bag over his head right. and then go hammer women in the head and then bring them back 
to his lair to get souls. I thought it was an interesting story, but yeah, when he his guy attacks her and she cuts his head off, yeah, almost, and then he gets up with his head hanging halfway on. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that was cool. That was cool. Yeah, there was yeah, a there was you know cool there was some really, there's, yeah there's good kills in it. There's that one. Oh, she sta- she stuffs the fucking uh, what do you call it the um, lab. Beaker, not beakers, what do they call them? Like, like the test tubes? Test tubes in yeah, his eyes. Yeah, the eyeballs, because they figure out, yeah, the eyeballs, that the eyeballs is where the souls are. Yeah, so she yeah, has to try to puncture it. all the eyes of all these, so that, you know, that's how she kills the one that stands up with the board and the nails, mm-hmm. is puncturing the eyeballs. So she's, like, jamming them in the eyes to prevent the doctor from killing them and him being stuck in some sort of perpetual hell. But the one weird obligatory thing at the end of the movie was somebody survived with eyes poked out. Yeah. I think it looked like a woman or something. I think they were just trying to do the whole, like, you know, the ending thing, right? He's still alive, Yeah, but it made no sense. Yeah. It like zero sense. It, didn't. it was just like, hey, we're everything's over and everything's back to normal, oh. and the cops are talking, and they're like, and <laughs> I love that the cop was like, he like the scene was over and somebody walked out of the shot, <laughs> and he was like, you need to go inside and check on things to make you know to try to make it sound cool, mm-hmm. and that guy needed to be in the shot, so they had to call him back, <laughs> and one of the other guys walked away, so it was like this like it just didn't <laughs> mesh well, <laughs> so. But yeah, and then it was just like, blah, lady in a wheelchair with red. Or did it mean that that his soul was in that body and stuck there because the eyes were gone? Maybe. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe, yeah. I thought he could only inhabit a body that had eyes. Yeah, but if he's dead and his soul is in another body and the eyes get gouged out, wouldn't he just be stuck in that body? I guess. It's a, it's a, it's not exactly a perfect movie, so I guess there's no needing to argue for its defense necessarily. But I guess you know it's an interesting thing to put into a movie. I could see that movie being remade into something mm-hmm. a little bit more coherent <laughs> and lots of gore. I would love to see that. Mm-hmm. I think you could do something probably. So, but anyway, it was interesting to watch these. These aren't going to be the the knock out of the ballpark type movies that you might want to see but if you're looking for something a little deeper in the catalog of weird and just amateur or you know inspirado need something to make you inspired these are those kind of movies so um and i think they all deserve a little bit of of love and uh, obviously some of them have some pretty interesting and rich history to them Mm -hmm. so it's always interesting to me to find out how these movies were made why they happened why this band decided to make this song which they don't do that shit anymore because it's just like nobody wants to put out a shitty song. <laughs> so I don't know. But I would love to hear what you guys think about these movies. If you've seen them, if you're going to watch them, if not, if you enjoy the history of it, whatever. But we cover everything around here. So I hope you'll stick around next week where. <laughs> so anyway, next week, we don't know exactly what we're going to be doing for the films next week. And I don't know if we should actually do these kind of deep cuts. Maybe right. might be a little too much back to back for some people. And we might want to mix it up a little bit. So I, I was we were. <laughs> We found a movie called The Attack of the Killer Tumbleweeds or some oh, shit. Oh, yeah. And we literally started laughing right off the bat. Right. And we were thinking about watching that and Rubber, mm-hmm. which is kind of a bigger mainstream movie by Gerard Bardot or whatever. 
Mm-hmm. I can't think of his name. Not Gerard Bardu. It's some French guy. I just can't think of his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, about a killer tire. So I was like, killer tire, killer tumbleweed. They both roll. Let's get this thing rolling. Mm-hmm. If you guys would like us to see that, let us know on Monday or Tuesday if you think that this would be something you would like to watch. Because I think both of them are on Amazon. I'm not 100% sure, but I know tumbleweed one is for sure. And it looked hilarious, but it right. definitely, it definitely, it, it cra- I mean, literally we were busting out loud laughing when we, we were crying. We were laughing L-O-L-ing. so hard. Yes, it, it, it is, is a shot on video film, but, um, and the rubber one is definitely not a shot on video film. It is a, uh, a real movie <laughs> about a killer tire. So if you'd like us to see that, let us know. Maybe we'll do that. If not, we'll try to find something else. And uh, if we don't hear back from any of you guys. so. But uh, other than that, thank you guys so much for stopping by. And as always, long live the void.